This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, you know you're listening to Talk Rope Nation. You might know I'm Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, and we're glad you're with us. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Well, well, well. We're back. Episode 194 of Top Rope Nation from a snowy, snowy Midwest here. Uh, as I am recording this with Justin and Kyle, it is literally a blizzard outside. I can feel a draft coming off my window right in front of me, but we're going to get it done. We've got quite the agenda tonight. My name's Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com, joined by Kyle and Justin. Justin making his return to Top Rope Nation after taking our, our post show off on Sunday night following the Royal Rumble. Justin Joint, uh, it's you probably live about a 15-minute drive from me here in town normally, but uh, due to the blizzard, I think it'd probably take me 45 minutes to an hour to get over to your house right now. Uh, how, how are you doing? How are you coping with this weather across town? It's brutal. My, my heart is here to do this podcast, but my broken back is outside still shoveling. <laughs> I didn't even mess with it today. It's so windy that I figured if I went out there in the morning, it would be like I didn't touch it. So If, if I didn't do it today... I get really annoyed when uh, it's driven over on the driveway, and then you have those compacted parts. So mm-hmm. I, I got to get to it before people start driving on it. Yeah, I, I hear you. That bugs me too. I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to shoveling. Hey, Kyle, hey, I, I'm There's... real curious. Uh, I, I know Kyle has prob at least watched it. So the real question is, how many times have you watched the best of APA on the WWE Network? <laughs> I have not seen it, though. I was planning on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I, I did. It, it looked mildly amusing enough. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, is it snowing out in Ohio? No, and I'll tell you what, man. Four years ago, if somebody would have asked me, does it snow in Iowa? My answer would have been like, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no clue yeah. that it snowed so much. Yep. The frozen what, tundra, man. That's what we're known for, snow and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> My wife handles the snow blowing in our house, so I don't really deal with it. <laughs> really? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You told us that about mowing one time a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, you know. Once again, we we redefine those you know classic gender roles in the marriage. I you know like to keep a very clean home, and you know she does a lot of the manual labor outside. Kyle's all about progress, man. Get out there and shovel the driveway. <laughs> Kyle told her he wanted the condo. He wanted the condo life. <laughs> the yard works yours now. I did actually say that if we want to peel back behind the curtain when we got all this yards. I was like, hey, you want a lot of yards. <laughs> Hope you're ready to do a lot of work. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. So 
Justin, like I said, you weren't with us on the Royal Rumble post show. I thought we had a really good show. We've gotten some good feedback on that. Uh, Derek and Colin were great guests, and uh, we'll Thanks definitely again. have to get uh, both of them back on the show. Justin, real quick, what did you think of the Rumble since you didn't have a chance to grade it live on air following the show on the WWE Network? What would you give it A through F? Uh, probably C, C+. Plus. Um, I didn't think it was quite as bad as Kyle thought, but uh, it, it it just, yeah, it didn't have, it certainly didn't have the uh, juice that last year's WrestleMania had. Uh, and I, and you know what, and I didn't even think about it, but as soon as Kyle said his uh, match of the night was Goldberg and Drew McIntyre, I think he's 100% right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like we talked about, it was laid out perfectly. I think, uh, you know, Despite it being short and you know not a lot to it, I thought it was an emotional roller coaster in those few minutes that they had. So I could see the argument. That was sure. that was my favorite part of the pod when all of you guys basically laid it all out, and Kyle was just like, "Oh, what do you know? Emotional investment, and the right guy wins." <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's like smartest man in the room yet again. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> so we put up oh. a put up a Lenny Pofo graphic. <laughs> it's kind of like. Um, in our Facebook group earlier today, there was a, a discussion going. By the way, if you're not in the group, search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook. But, Kyle, you were very complimentary to me on my uh, eight best Royal Rumble pay-per-view columns that I did. And I wanted to say, uh, you know, thank you, Kyle, because, you know, when I write those columns, it's like half of what I'm writing is stuff that you've said on the podcast that I'm just <laughs> like kind of morphing into my own words and pretending to take credit for. So uh, learning every week from Kyle Ross. <laughs> That's what the great ones do. They steal. <laughs> I won't say steal, but, you know, that take on that tag match from the Rumble 91, um, without listening to you and Liam doing your pod and in you know, the comments that you've made about it on here, too, before, um, I don't know that I would have picked out that tidbit about it being the, the best uh, tag team television match in WWF history up till that point in time. That being the Rockers and the Orient Express. The so. new Orient Express. Thank yes. you very much. Yes. <laughs> so yeah hey hey man i'm always learning from kyle we're, we're always happy to have the wrestling rain man on top rope nation yeah, and i hope i hope you're ready to learn tonight because boy did i have a lot to write there down. we go I'm look at that transition Naga. put you into the host seat wow i mean yeah I, I started thinking this week and i never stopped thinking about wrestling so yeah longest notes i think i've ever contributed for a normal show <laughs> yes we have a we have a packed agenda tonight so uh, before we get to it, let's get the uh, the formalities out of the way. We got a couple new reviews. I'm going to read here on the air here in just a minute. Uh, but along those lines, if you are listening to the podcast version of Top Rope Nation, of course, thank you for tuning in. And while you're there on your favorite podcasting platform, please hit five stars. Please hit subscribe or follow. Write a written review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so, so much. And if you leave us that written review, if you leave your Twitter or Instagram handle in the review, I'll get a hold of you so I can send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. And we did have two new reviews on Apple Podcasts recently that I wanted to get to. Um, the first one comes in from Great Britain, and this is from Tiger Rick. And Rick writes, Greetings from the UK. I stumbled upon Top Rope Nation via Squared Circle Gazette Radio and have become a big fan and a Patreon subscriber. Kyle, Ryan, and Justin offer a balanced view on current and classic wrestling. Their shows are topical and opinions are varied enough to be interesting, but offer no forced drama. Keep up the good work. 
Thank you, Rick, for the review. Thank you for your support on Patreon. He is one of our most recent supporters on Patreon. And uh, we didn't even have to pay him to leave us that review. So very nice. Very nice indeed. Always nice to hear from the other side of the pond, isn't it? <laughs> and then we have a, uh, yes, it is. And then you, there you go. The uh, the appearance on Liam's pod, Squared Circle Gazette, paid off. We got a new listener, Kyle, from your appearance over there. And thank you, Liam. I'm always working. Yes, he is. And the other one comes from Y2 Jenkinson. Five stars. These guys get it. They talk about actual wrestling. They don't waste time on inside jokes and self-promotion. They are smart. They are not condescending. It's a great listen. Awesome. Awesome. Obviously, he must have listened one of the weeks I wasn't on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an awesome review. It was great to get those. Every time a new review pops up in the feed, get a little excited. So, guys... Leave us a review. We would appreciate it. We will read it on the air when you do. And of course, if you're watching the video version of the podcast here on YouTube.com, make sure to subscribe to the channel and click the thumbs up uh, just below the video. That would help us out a lot as well. And we mentioned Patreon a minute ago. Uh, Rick mentioned he's a Patreon supporter. You can find the link to our Patreon page right there in the description of the podcast or below the video here on YouTube. It's patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. We've got a lot coming up here in the month of February. We have a new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics coming up where we we will be reviewing a classic event from February. It's either going to be a WWF main event from February of 88. Yay! NWA Shaitan Rumble from 89. Uh, No Way Out. (laughs) 2004. I think those are the three in our poll on the Patreon page. So if you are a patron, make sure to vote in the poll. Uh, and that make sure poll to vote for Main week. Event 88. <laughs> that one is running away with it right now. It's 75% of the vote. It looks like it's probably going to be Main Event, but we'll see. Uh, you have until next week to vote in the poll. If you're not a member on Patreon yet, sign up. You can get your vote in there. Uh, there are, let's see, four different tiers you can sign up to support the show. There's different benefits at each tier. Uh, we also have our book club starting up at the end of the month. It's part of our $10 tier. The $5 tier gets you access to Top Rope Nation Classics, but the $10 tier has the Top Rope Nation book club. Uh, we'll be looking at Death of WCW by Brian Alvarez over the next couple of months, and that will be part of our monthly uh, Zoom hangouts that we do with the $10 patrons. If you want to hang out with us once a month, drink a couple beers, talk pro wrestling. It's a good time. We did it last month. We'll do it again towards the end of this month, and we'll kind of incorporate our book club with that. So uh, check out the Patreon page for more details on that. And lastly, of course, shout out to the good folks over at BlueWirePods.com for presenting this show. I just want to say one thing. When you guys see the notes I might drop for that main event show, if we do it, you may actually vote for one of the other options. (laughs) Uh Because I already started like doing it. And I mean... When we're going over 10 DiBiase vignettes week by week, whoo, you guys are going to be begging for mercy. <laughs> I think that shows only three matches, isn't it? Uh, two and the third one gets cut off because oh, they right. run out of time. Yes. Okay. But I mean, the go. build to the show. Oh, I mean. Legendary. How can you not talk about the entire year of 1987? Yeah. There you go. How can you not rewatch all of 1987, as I'm sure you have done in recent years, Kyle? I have. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's talk about uh, 2021 pro wrestling right off the top of the broadcast here because Wednesday night, everybody's talking about it. New Japan Pro Wrestling invaded AEW Dynamite. We had the appearance of Kenta at the end of the show, opening up the Pandora's box to AEW and NJPW 
developing a working relationship. This is something that we have wanted pretty much ever since AEW launched. It was something that we thought we would get early on, you know, since a lot of the, the big time players in AEW made their names in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But that wasn't to be. Uh, it took a while to get here. Uh, we had to go through some leadership changes over in New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, to get it there. But uh, with Kento's appearance, um, as Dave Meltzer reported today, it's done. It's a done deal. AEW and NJPW do have a working relationship um, moving forward. Now, it's going to be a little limited right now as the pandemic's going on uh, because travel between the two countries obviously is limited. So you're probably not going to see uh, Okada or Nabushi or Tanahashi making their way over to AEW until the pandemic is, is a little bit more under control. But, uh, you know, we, do, we did have Kenta. And so I guess just to start with that, wh- how shocked were you guys when you saw Kenta appear at the end of that six-man on Dynamite? Just let me bring you in first. And what, did you, what did you make of the appearance? Uh, well, first off, it needs to be pointed out. It, it reminded of something you did once uh, where it just goes to show what you do as a good wrestling fan and a good wrestling friend is that me and Ryan were late to watching dynamite and Kyle texted like, Oh wow. You know what just happened? And it's like, I'm not going to tell you watch for yourself. So that <laughs> was very spoiler. nice. Yeah. That was yeah, great. yeah. Well, you know what? Why I did that because stupid me, I'm always on Twitter scrolling while I'm watching these programs. And I had forgotten. I had started the show like a minute late. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, like on my feet, somebody goes, Kenta all caps. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. And then, you know, the regards, I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be Kenta? And to be honest, I mean, something that big, it actually doesn't take away from the moment because when you are realizing, oh my God, is the forbidden door going to be open right here? And then it is, mm-hmm. you're like, this is pretty big time. And it was, I mean, look, later in this broadcast, we are going to talk about some of the issues uh, with WWE and staleness um, that permeate uh, throughout all of their brands and, and roster, uh, you know, working with different groups, if you can pull it off politically and Lord knows groups tried to pull this off in the eighties against Vince and it went very poorly. Just look up pro wrestling USA folks you type that in your Google machine. It did not go well. You know I mean? You know, people backstabbing each other right off the rip, but you know, the idea we've already got a fresh matchup next week uh, on the show. I, I-, I love it. Um, and there were so many things going on uh, in the build to that, but uh, it's great. And yeah, you, you said it's what we all wanted. I think it's a win-win uh, for both sides. New Japan obviously is trying to increase its foothold in this country because of the pandemic. It has problems. You know, I'm sure it was uh, you know not one of their banner years uh, financially, 2020. And, you know, AEW is a good U.S. partner to have. And then for AEW, you know, hey, you get access to that talent, more dream matchups down the line. They don't need them right now. But down the road, it could come in handy. Yeah. I mean, the the possibilities are pretty much literally endless. They can can go for years bringing in, you know, different people. Look at how many people or promotions uh, AEW is working with right now. Yes. I mean... You got them working with Impact. You got them working with NWA. You got them working with AAA. Uh, you got them working with New Japan Pro Wrestling now. You got, uh, they have the women's tournament coming up with uh, so many Japanese women's wrestlers. I'm not even sure which promotion in Japan the bulk of those women are coming from, but there's another promotion. And, you know, like you said, this is, this is the way wrestling always worked prior to Vince's expansion, 
right? Like the mm-hmm. the different uh, territories would work together and you'd bring in new people to keep fresh matchups. And kind of a preview of what we're going to be talking about later tonight is the staleness in the WWE product, which is where the uh, the bulk of Kyle's notes lay tonight that we're going to get to later. But it's the big problem in WWE is, th- is they don't have that. And we've had the same thing, you know, week after week, year after year, it feels like. And this is fresh. This is, this is definitely what we want to see. I loved just as much, if not more so, the angle that they threw up on YouTube or whatever. I mean, I saw it on Twitter with Kenny tracking out Kenta. He's like, hey, old friend. And Kenta like tells him to go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. And then Kenny's like, all right, well, we'll work that out. Don't worry. Him and I worked it out. But we're going to do a tag match, me and him next week, against John Moxley and Lance Archer. And you just get so excited for the yeah. show next week. It's a kind of excitement that quite frankly, and people are going to say, oh, you're biased, whatever. Um, you, you don't get a lot from WWE television. Yeah. You know, I mean, are Kenny and Kenta going to get along? You know, what about Moxley and Archer? You know, what's the main event for the Revolution pay-per-view going to be, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um, a long time coming. Uh, there, there's a lot of obstacles in the way, but if you have any doubt that the promotions have the working relationship, it was just a little bit ago, actually, today, that uh, New Japan World sent out a link. They have footage up on New Japan World from Dynamite. So, I mean, that that tells you right there what's going well, down. For the record, you talk about objectivity. We're all about it here on this podcast. I thought New Japan in recent years, there was a staleness to about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's getting to be okay. We've we've seen these guys wrestle before. And so, you know, I think, you know, again, freedom of movement is very good uh, in this industry. And you, you love to see it. Yeah, they're not near as hot as they were uh, even like three years ago. And they need an influx of talent just as much as AEW does. Yeah, especially yeah. if they want to grow in this country. Yeah, it's been the stories, I think, of what's been lacking. You're, they're always having, you know, the four or five star matches, abundance of those throughout the year. And they, this year was no different. But, um, you know, there's a lot of great wrestling in the world today. And there's a lot of wrestling on television here in North America. So if I'm going to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling on the regular, you know, like I did a few years ago, I definitely need those stories to be pulling me in. And that's certainly where they've been lacking, I think, since a lot of those name guys that I was most familiar with left to start AEW. And, you know, when they left uh, from Meltzer's reporting, basically the, the feeling from New Japan was that AEW was like small time and wasn't really going to work out. And they didn't really see any reason to uh, to work with them. Uh, in Meltzer's words, they kind of big timed AEW. Uh, at one point, AEW sent the Bucks over there with uh, Chris Harrington that works in the front office. Brilliant guy, by the way, started WrestleNomics with Brandon Thurston years ago. Uh, Harrington went over there with the Bucks and they tried to work out an agreement and Again, they kind of big time them. They didn't. They didn't think they needed to do it. There's also some speculation that like maybe they felt slighted that Tony Khan didn't go over there, and that's why they didn't work out something. Um, there, the the former CEO and president uh, of of New Japan, uh, Harold Mage, he's gone now, and Harold Mage, I guess, was one of the big obstacles in, in putting something together. And uh, once he left, people kind of thought something would eventually happen. Yeah. Wasn't he really salty about? the video that Cody and the Bucks did in Omega, you know, making the announcement during Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it was like outside the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, it, that's, I think that that was the word that he was very furious about that. And maybe rightfully so, I don't know. But, you know, yeah. hey, it's 
sometimes you got to put aside your foolish pride and you know he was gone so it was an odd factor but yeah uh, very happy about this oh yeah I'm, I'm jacked about it this is gonna be great uh so you, you could be fantasy booking in your head thinking about it also with this uh new japan pro wrestling announced their new u.s television deal today <laughs> in parentheses you know they've been kind of building this up for the last couple of weeks um and I, I say in parentheses because it's not, um, or in quotations, I should say, it's not really television. It's the Roku channel. So you'll be able to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling starting next week, uh, weekly on the Roku channel on the Roku streaming platform. And they, so they announced that earlier today on Thursday. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on that quick? Were you, were you surprised that it wasn't a, a bigger network, you know, like they used to be on Axis? No, I mean... From all the word, you could tell it wasn't going to be a big deal. Like, it wasn't going to be, you know, like some major network here in the States. You know, accessibility really hasn't been my issue in recent months, weeks with New Japan. I think it's, again, it's just, you know, I, I like to watch at my own pace. So it's always been the case with me at Japanese Wrestling. I, I'm never going to be the biggest New Japan fan. I'm never going to be in the top 1,000 biggest New Japan fans. I'm just not. But uh, yeah, I like to watch the high-end matches, and you know, I sometimes yeah, I kind of have to you know do some, my due diligence, find out what those are. But um, it's good for them, you know. I mean, if it gets even five more eyeballs, that's five more eyeballs. Yeah, apparently they're going to have like a limited amount of classic content available on demand too through the Roku channel. So and that would be a good gateway, maybe for some people to get the New Japan World app, which hasn't been on Roku. That's been like a big holdup. So that, that was why it was a little bit surprising to me. They've had a, a Amazon Fire Stick app for a while, uh, which was actually the entire reason I bought an Amazon Fire Stick app or Fire Stick was to get the New Japan World app. And it works great on there, but people have been longing for a, for a Roku app with New Japan World. So here we go, coming kind of full circle. The promotion's going to be on Roku weekly now. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that leads. But uh, I guess just closing thoughts here then on, on what we saw Wednesday night uh, between AEW and NXT. This was actually one of the rare weeks where I watched both shows individually on Wednesday night and got through both of them. Uh, I thought AEW was the better show. They won the ratings war pretty big time this week by hundreds of thousands of viewers. Uh, it had been a little bit closer in recent weeks, but they widened the gap this week. Uh, outside of that tag team main event, the the six man with Omega and the Good Brothers taking on Moxley, uh, Pack and Fe Ray Phoenix, which was a, a very good main event, and then that led into the uh, the Kenta debut. The I guess the other most noteworthy thing on the show was the wedding. <laughs> so you know, another wrestling wedding. Uh, I guess this was legitimately their wedding, though. From uh, yeah, what I was reading. <laughs> so, what a what a way to do it, huh? Yeah. So Penelope Ford and, and Kip, obviously, with the uh, with the wedding. What did you guys think of that? If if you saw it, did you, were you entertained, uh, Kyle? Uh, I thought it was kind of a low point. I, I just was not a fan of this angle for, uh, for a while, to be honest. Now, yeah. Remember, the bachelor party that they had teased never happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just, I, you know, while you know Mira was talking, like I was like, all right, something big is going to happen. And, you know, I mean, it was logical storytelling that Orange Cassie would pop out of the cake and they would get a measure of revenge for what's gone on in the last couple of weeks. But... I think with all that build and, you know, you bring Miro over and what people thought maybe he was going to bring to the table, it felt like a letdown, um, you know, but, you know, God bless Kip and Penelope. If that, you know, if, if they're married now and they're happy, then that's the most important thing, isn't it? 
I, I will saw I saw on the interweb that uh, Miro wore the same outfit from uh, the wedding on Raw. Yes, years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yes, mm-hmm. and he and he referenced it a little bit. Yeah, too. So, um, yeah, I thought that might have been the low point of the show. I think Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had pretty easily the best women's match in the history of Dynamite. Yeah, I would co-sign on that. That was a good match. I, that, that, yeah. I mean, that was really, really good. I was buying near falls, uh, which is obviously what you want to do with a match that length. You know, they built it up over weeks. Obviously, it had to be pushed back a few times. It was a big win for Britt Baker. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought AEW uh, was the better show. I think the gap was far more significant last week, though. So I was not surprised. I was actually shocked last week when the ratings came in so close because I thought the gap in quality of the show w- was night and day. I mean, my Twitter uh, feed was like reading NXT, it's last rights last <laughs> week. They're like, this show, when hey, Peacock comes in, just put them back on the streaming surface one hour. They're like, this show is bland, it's boring. And I was stunned, you know, after that kind of chatter to see them, you know, come so close to AEW. But I think, you know, AEW kind of promised a big show you know, the, the beach blast theme, yeah. beach break theme, and, uh, you know, coming off the better show, it was no surprise to me that they widened the gap because, I mean, this Dusty Classic thing is not going to really wow people. Although, you put your so-called WrestleMania headliner on the show, and it doesn't do anything. That's not great. I know Meltzer had talked about that uh, a couple hours ago on Twitter. So do you think that's because nobody buys that Edge is actually going to wrestle the NXT champion? That's part of it, yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I thought it was a cool moment. I mean, it, it it put over Balor and Pete Dunn. You know, like he thinks of them as equals to what's going on in Raw and SmackDown. I thought the segment was very good. I did not love that segment. Really? The That one line that he started out with, it's like, you know, so much of the time around here we focus on the E, but down here you guys focus on the second W. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I did not like that line at all. I thought that was cheesier now, man. And then like, I don't know. There's just like this thing where when a legend is speaking and allegedly putting over the younger talent, I just get this vibe of, you know, the teacher firing up his students for the high school championship <laughs> sometimes. And, and it was odd how they weren't looking at him. It was just an, it, it, it like, it bordered on like, uh, Odd and cheesy. I, th- I thought the Edge carrying uh, Cross segment was very good. Though. Now he was looking at him. Carrying Cross was staring a hole. Through yes, him. he yeah. was staring a hole right at him, yeah. and, and that came across as as good. It was just, yeah, the, the Edge Balor Dunn thing. I don't know that that I didn't think was that great. But to your question, I do think that a big problem, uh, or not a big problem, but just like the the reason for that Edge didn't do any sort of ratings moving is no one buys that he's gonna take that opportunity to wrestle the NXT champion and very odd here Uh, the old Vince McMahon doctrine for years you don't tease things that aren't going to happen well boy has that doctrine been rewritten here in recent days because the plan seems to be you know him just teasing against everybody I assume and you know Meltzer's reporting that he's going to challenge Reigns Mm -hmm. uh, at Wrestlemania which I think makes a lot of sense we talked about that on a Rumble post show but um, that's odd because remember how mad he got when like Austin and Lesnar teased a match and he's like, I'm not doing, what are you guys doing? Remember like Meltzer talked on the broken skull session? Like Vince was apparently irate 
that they were teasing the idea of a match that he had not co-signed. Mm-hmm. So it's very odd that now well, all of a sudden we're teasing things that aren't going to happen. It, it's probably easier to get away with when uh, Vince is nowhere to be found. That's also true. Maybe yes. Maybe that. <laughs> maybe the Triple H doctrine is tease whatever. So yeah, I, I do think that like no one buys that Edge is, is doing it. No, and here's the thing: nor should he. Yeah, I mean, no, I would like to see some of those matches, not at WrestleMania, but I, I wouldn't. I would love to see him wrestle yeah. a, a Finn Balor, or I, I'd love to see him wrestle Karrion Cross, and maybe we'll get that on the main roster. You know, not too long. But I'll uh, save some more NXT thoughts for later in the show because actually, there's some big picture issues that I continue to see with that brand that fit into our big discussion later in the program. I, I will say that I liked how he sold that uh, NXT kind of brought his love of wrestling back. While he was off, that was that was a good tie-in. Yes, of me. course. <laughs> Reinforcing that Raw and SmackDown will bring no one's passion. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's how it's how fans have felt for a, a long time. I guess he's he's talking the internet audience there. But. I guess, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, can I just say one more thing about Dynamite? Yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm I'm gonna be that fan. Uh, just and just real quick, uh, Moxley needs to turn down uh, the notch of, of a little bit on the selling of the Go to Sleep. That way he like sat up and then went back down. Was that was not. some that was some Dean Ambrose bullshit. <laughs> I, well, you know, I was he overcompensating for not getting up that much. That could, it, it, yeah. it didn't it didn't seem like he connected very well, but he like yeah. he slowly fell back and then whipped back up right away. It just didn't you know, I'm all about the physics of wrestling and that just didn't match up. <laughs> <laughs> was this the Dwayne Johnson stunner oversell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I should uh force you guys to do is just pick out 10 random battle royals in history and see if they're all booked exactly the same <laughs> i i feel like like every battle royal it's just like especially in the modern era guys want to get their spots in we talked about this with the rumble right it's hard yeah. to do with that yep. many people and and it's sort of like so eh, elimination here elimination there and then you get down to that final six and it's a reset mm-hmm. you know, i just feel like every battle royal is is, is essentially the same yeah, yeah. i just thought all right. Well, let's talk about. So, despite our complaints about, uh, yeah, go ahead. One more thing. Mm-hmm. I apps. Th- this is one more thing I loved on Dynamite. The post match interview with the Inner Circle, where MJF deliberately had Jericho go chase after Sammy, so he could talk to the other guys to you know get him on his side, and then he had Wardlow close the door, like mm-hmm. he acknowledged the camera. That's great stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff. That was good. Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought I thought AEW was pretty solidly a better show this week. I thought NXT, like you know, they had some good matches, but nothing that really drew, drew me in. I thought that the tag match in the main event with Thatcher and Ciampa versus uh, Cole and Roddy Strong was like it's a good match, but it's like the typical NXT match: tons and tons of near falls, you know, people kicking out of uh, Cole's thrust kick, and it's just like I don't know. It's like I, I feel like I've seen it a million times. So it did. You're talking about how the Dusty Classic isn't really drawing in people, and no, I, I kind of felt that way too. It's like, yeah, this is a good match, but I'm not like excited to watch it by any means. So, uh, again, I'll bring this up later, but a lot of the issues that exist on Raw and SmackDown now have permeated to the black and gold brand. Yes, uh, NXT is definitely in a creative rut right now. Definitely, the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. 
We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. But WWE is not in a rut as it relates to their business. So we wanted to talk about, um, we haven't had a chance really to talk about the 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 Peacock situation with the WWE Network, and you know everyone's kind of talked about it by now, but we want to hit on that a little bit. But we thought what would kind of lead into that is to look at the earnings report that came out today, just a few hours before we went on the air. And uh, you know the big headline here is that WWE had their most profitable year in company history, um, and they also drew in more revenue than they've ever done in company history this year. Uh, during a pandemic, just shy of $1 billion in 2020, which is pretty amazing. And uh, like I said, even when you when you adjust for inflation, this was the most profitable year in WWE history. Uh, so I, I'm kind of blown away by seeing that because, you know, obviously they relied on a different business model this year, not, you know, notwithstanding all the cuts that they made to stay profitable to their uh, company back in April. Uh, but they... You know, like they they didn't have the live event merchandise sales, but they've been doing like tons and tons of sales <laughs> on WWE Shop. Yeah, what are live events? Uh, they didn't have a live live event ticketing. They said on their conference call today that it cost them like twenty five percent more to produce a show at the Thunderdome than it does on tour, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but uh, so no live ticket sales. They obviously they didn't have the uh, the Saudi Arabia show to uh, to draw in a lot of money here in the fall. Uh, like they normally would. So I guess if you look at all of that, you think they would have had even more profit if it wasn't yeah. for the pandemic. They would have topped a billion dollars uh, brought it in revenue. Uh, but even so, like uh, they sold a ton of merch through WWShop.com this year. I think the average uh, sale per person that bought from WWE Shop was something like $56 or something. So, I mean, they're still selling a ton of merchandise. Uh, the WWE Network subscriptions are right at about 1.5 million. So that hasn't really moved a lot in recent years. They've kind of been up and down between like 1.2 million, 1.6 million, kind of like right in that that area. Uh, it seems like around WrestleMania time, they'd always you know get the bump. Um, but I, I think the average 1.5 million subscribers, something like that this year. I mean, but overall, you know, when you look at WWE, obviously we're going to be criticizing their creative a lot and we have for good reason but the company makes money i mean this this company is printing money year after year after year so like if you want the company to change the business side of it like they don't have any reason to change i mean just look at what's going down um it, they were asked about like the television ratings dropping and they said on the conference call that they <laughs> oh, don't actually yeah, this they don't believe a- that their audience is shrinking. It's just changing. So they have more people like viewing through social media channels versus viewing it on, you know, oh. linear television. Oh, I'll say, oh, you're not using, I, I was going to say you need to use Nick Khan's terminology of linear eyeballs. Yeah, that linear eyeballs is what he said. <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will. But there's no, I mean, you can't spin any other way other than it was like a massively successful year for the company. And- to, to have record profits during a pandemic is like pretty amazing. And it, television rights fees is, is the... You know, the big thing that uh, boosted their income as well. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is if this company doesn't sell one ticket over the next, you know, five years, which would be funny, but <laughs> I think eventually they're going to start <laughs> selling tickets, um, they're going to make like billions of dollars. I mean, 
you really can't um, evaluate WWE according to the same metrics that we've basically evaluated every other professional wrestling company throughout history because they have just so much guaranteed money coming in that, you know, it doesn't matter the angle. You know, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm sure NBC Universal and Fox, you know, they don't want to see like something like totally stupid, but they're giving him this money, just assuming, yeah, it's going to be a typical WWE angle, whatever that is. Just keep doing what you're doing. Hmm. And now you can add a third billion dollar deal with Peacock. And to me, the WWE, it's just, it's becoming more and more, and we'll get into this in the big time discussion, like a daytime soap, where it's just kind of content. And it doesn't really change over the long term, but their goal right now is just content, content, con- you just put out as much content as possible. Uh, you know, if you're Peacock, obviously you want to uh, inflate your own subscriptions. So here you're migrating these 1.5 million folks over to your platform. It's a win there. For WWE, they're going to, you know, say, uh, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, any just reasonable promotion some new people will check this out. I don't know how many, but some new people will check out WrestleMania. So they're going to turn around and say, most watched WrestleMania of all time. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that win-win we talked about. Obviously, it's a much grander scale than AEW and New Japan, but um, it makes sense. But yeah, um, you can't fault their business. Uh, and I think the interesting thing is, because people are going to now say, oh, well, what if these TV things, you know, because everyone's always, oh, the, these TV stations, they can't keep giving them money. The viewership's dropping. Have you seen this product? And yet they keep getting more and more money up front. I, I think the next logical step is, is NBC Universal going to buy the company outright? You know, Meltzer made a pretty good case for that in last week's Observer. And... You know, Vince is old, and I think he's going to be 81 when the TV deals are up, he said. And, I mean, Triple H and Stephanie, I mean, eventually, I mean, they're going to be old, too. I mean, you know, I I can just see that being the end game here, that eventually, I mean, Fox right now is obviously in play and and, and has SmackDown, but, you know, I could see NBC. It's not worth paying all these rights fees and not owning the company if you're NBC Universal. It's going to get to that point. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that SmackDown contract comes up for yep. sure. Yeah, it's uh I mean, yeah, regardless of what you say about WWE and you know, we criticize them from a from a creative standpoint, rightfully so, but you can't criticize their business model. I mean, they're making tons of money. I think they're just viewed as kind of this legacy property by the television industry, obviously. Like they have these diehard fans this like hardcore base that are always going to keep tuning in like we see that are going to keep spending money on the product. And, you know, it's just one of those things that they bring, even if they're less like reliable ratings, you know, like they're even, uh, you know, look at SmackDown's ratings in the overall viewership. They're almost dead last on network Friday nights, almost always like dead last, but in the 18 to 49 demo, they're always like in the top three and that's what advertisers care about. You know, that's how you're making your money. So, um, you know, they're doing well from that standpoint. So, yeah, I think I think the uh, the Peacock deal for the WWE Network, the uh, the $1 billion deal that they made, what was it last week? I mean, for, if you're a wrestling fan, I don't know how you couldn't be excited about this because, you know, for the same money that you're paying now to get the network, you're going to get all the NBC content on Peacock as well. Um, plus, from WWE's perspective, 
you're going to have all these people that subscribe to Peacock who now have access to the WWE network and you know there's your there's your gateway, right? If you if you get Peacock already, you're saving money. And there's all there's uh Justin, does your cable company pay for Peacock for you? There, I know there's some there's some cable companies that it's included with the plan. Nope. I uh we do uh YouTube TV for our our cable. Mm-hmm. Um but I got Peacock to watch uh the Premier League. Oh yeah. In fact, in fact, I just watched uh, Tottenham lose to Chelsea, <laughs> one nothing. I had I had to I had to text my uh, cousin and say I apologize for any part I played in making you Tottenham fans. <laughs> well, hey, so for you though, like you were going to get that anyway, so you're saving money now. Yeah, yeah, I'll be saving ten bucks a month. Yeah, I believe it's one nil is what they like to say over there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a great it's a great deal for WWE because you're going to get the curiosity factor of some laps fans who aren't paying for the network, but it's there now within the Peacock app. And, you know, some night they might decide, Hey, let me click on that and see what's there. Curiosity factor draws them in, you know, on like one of the old documentaries, like the Yokozuna documentary that just debuted, which is excellent. By the way, if you guys haven't watched that, check that out. Uh, but there's like great archival content. Maybe they want to relive something from their childhood. Want maybe they want to go back and watch a classic WrestleMania or maybe they're curious and they watch the current product. I mean, the the customer base now for the network is going to be so much bigger than it was when they were running it uh, as their own uh, standalone platform. And and then lastly, I think the the big thing here, and I'll make a prediction for you, is that I think a spoiler. Even, yeah, next year. <laughs> I mean, I think the end game is for WrestleMania to be on network television, like on NBC, like the Super Bowl. And I could see that happening next year. Wow. Think about it. Like you have, uh, whenever they do the Reigns Rock match, that's a huge draw on network television, right? You got Dwayne Johnson coming back to the WWE. Yeah. I think I think the end game, besides the ownership situation that Kyle mentioned, is the WWE, and I think they've actually said this before, they want WrestleMania to be treated like the Super Bowl, like the NBA Yeah, Finals. Nick Khan said that. You're right. They want it on network television, not pay-per-view, not WWE Network, network TV. Uh, and I think that's coming. And I think Peacock made this deal with a mind for Aaron WrestleMania on NBC, maybe in as, as early as a year from now. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's very, very, it's exciting to talk about and to think about, I think, as, as a fan and certainly for the company. Look, I, I think you could criticize WWE for never being able to really get above that one point. What was the high point of the network subscriptions, Ryan? Uh, like 1.8, 1.9, okay. maybe you at know, their highest. I mean... Considering how many people were watching Raw at the time of the network launch, that's not a really impressive high point. Mm -hmm. That said, I I will say this, and this is something I think people in the wrestling bubble, we talk about that a lot, either don't understand or, or don't want to acknowledge. I think there's a stigma to having a professional wrestling only streaming service. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. unless if you really like, pro wrestling or love pro wrestling, you're probably just not going to get it. And I think here it's kind of like, you're right with the unlimited growth. I mean, how many people wind up watching this uh, above 1.5 million? It remains to be seen. I don't think it's going to be like this huge number overnight where all of a sudden people like massive flocks of people say, Oh my God, the WWE, I can just watch this now. I I don't think that's going to be the case necessarily. Um, But you know, I, I I think it's a smart move for W because they were never getting over 1.5 anymore. I, I think it's a ceiling and that stigma that exists. It's like, eh, do I just really want this? You know, if, if you're just a casual person who wants to watch wrestling, no more 
than like a couple hours a week, you know, you may not get the network. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I don't know who that person is that I'm refer- this mythological fan that I'm speaking of that has a stigma, but I, but I think it exists to be honest with you. Yeah. It looks like, uh, I just looked it up. Uh, this, this chart was made in 2019, but I don't think it's gone up since then. As, as of the middle of 2019, their highest subscriptions for a quarter was just shy of 1.8 million quarter to 2018. So that would have been to watch the mania that we all went to, uh, yeah, and boy, has the company been in the crapper ever since. <laughs> but that quarter, quarter two, 2018, they had like 1.799 million subscribers. And that's the highest, at least for a quarter, uh, goes. But the, the yearly average has always kind of floated around the last couple of years, at least, you know, around that 1.5-ish, I think. Uh, it, was, it was much lower than that in the early days of the network, but then they kind of settled in in that area. I just wanted to throw out there, as of December, uh, Peacock had 26 million subscribers. So, so there you WWE's go. He's going to get some extra eyeballs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, it's a no brainer. Go ahead. Kyle. Go, no, no. I, I was just going to say real brief. They're, they're going, there's going to be some ad campaign for WrestleMania. I mean, we know they added fast lane to kind of work the kinks out, make sure the show goes off without a hitch. Uh, you know, like fans are accustomed to seeing on the network for the most part, but you know, the, by all accounts, they are going to push WrestleMania on that Peacock network. Yeah, and I don't know how it's going to work in there, but I mean, I would assume on WrestleMania, the two nights WrestleMania is going to be this year, you log into Peacock, it's probably going to be front and center, like the first thing you see. And there are a lot of people that aren't really wrestling fans that will watch WrestleMania. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but back when WrestleMania was on pay-per-view, I would invite people over to my place to watch it who weren't fans anymore. But like, if you told them I'm going to watch WrestleMania, they would watch it. I know... I have family members who live in uh, areas where WrestleMania happened. Like one of my cousins used to live in New Orleans and he's like, Oh yeah, I went to WrestleMania when it was here, WrestleMania 30 and he's not really a fan, but it's WrestleMania. So he bought a ticket you know, so if people log into Peacock and they say, Oh, WrestleMania is on, they're going to get a lot of curiosity clicks. No doubt about it. So, yeah. Uh, so really the thing I'm really curious about is how it's going to work uh, in the Peacock. Um, obviously at the top of their tab, they have like movies, TV shows, kids, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, my wish is that you click on just like a WWE logo up there and you basically have the network as we have it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, the one thing that I'm really bummed about is that for like the, uh, Sunday pay-per-views, uh, your takeovers and whatnot, because this really irks me about when I watch the premier league, you can't pause it and you can't rewind. You're, You're watching it live just like mm. everybody else yeah melts have brought that up do you think that they're gonna fix it because that's w- gotta that's gotta change eventually yeah uh, yeah yeah they gotta change that yeah i don't know how it's gonna look either it'll be interesting i think you know my first thought when i first heard about it was like oh they better be bringing the classic content with them and mm-hmm. it sounds like that they are and they're probably working on right now as we speak moving that over Chicago so. PD can wait. Okay, we need more <laughs> episodes of 1985 Mid South. Don't tell my mother-in-law that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know logistically how it'll look. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, I mean, it's I don't know how any wrestling fan could be upset about this. You're getting a lot more content for your money. So I'm pissed. <laughs> Kyle's very upset about this. No, I'm not. Well, Kyle, you might get upset talking about our next topic. So this is this is the main event of episode 194 of Top Rope Nation. This is what Kyle uh, messaged us about last night or the night before, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm really going on these notes, and 
Justin was like, my God, he just sent me war and peace. So he got all the notes worked up. Uh, it has to do with age in WWE. It has to do with the Royal Rumble. Um, I know you got a lot to say, so I'm pretty much just going to, first of all, just turn over the microphone to you and we'll kind of chime in when we have thoughts. But uh, go ahead with uh, what you have prepared for the broadcast. Yeah, so I saw, and I'm sure you guys did as well, lots of talk about age on the old to- uh Twitter timeline in the last couple of days since the rumble. Not surprising. Uh, you have set up in just the last week or so Goldberg, who's 54, Edge, who's 47, and Sheamus, who's 43, as title challengers. <laughs> Pretty old, right? But I kind of wanted to drill down a little more and make this specific. I, you know, because there was some pushback on this uh, from the age, you know, from the, the WWE loyalists or whatnot, whatever you want to call them. And I think the issue isn't necessarily age. By the way, I'm calling this discussion age ain't nothing but a number. Uh, that's uh, how WWE of me is. I believe that was an old TLC album. So <laughs> there you go. Very appropriate that I'm using, you know, old references to talk about a company that relies on old people. WrestleMania but, 11 reference? Yeah. No, that, I think that was Salt and Peppa was there. Oh, that was Salt and Peppa. Right. Who, by the way, has a movie on the Roku channel I saw. I was in tears. <laughs> um, anyway. I believe the issue is not specifically age, but rather how long some of these people have been on television, specifically WWE television. I'm not just referring to those three uh, aforementioned names. Now, time spent on the roster and age, they do seem to largely go hand in hand, right? If you've been on TV for a while, you're probably old. But to use a couple examples, Dave Batista, we just talked about his big rise in Top Rope Nation Classic in 2005 Royal Rumble, didn't we? He was 38 at the time of that match. But he'd only been on the main roster for two and a half years. Fast forward to today, Damian Priest. I think he's like 38. Mm-hmm. But brand new, obviously. Um, and it goes without saying, you know, by just being called up the Raw. He's a lot fresher than a lot of his younger contemporaries. For example, Seth Rollins, 34, just to pick out a name. So four years. So Priest is older, but he's fresher because he just literally was called up, right? And so what do you think about that kind of delineation? Age not necessarily being the biggest thing, but it's as we're going to get into. You have just so many guys in the WWE right now, and and you're bringing more back, too, that have just been around for so long. Yeah. Justin, any thoughts? No, 100%. I mean, it's brought up, like, I think think you, Kyle, actually might have brought it up on the Royal Rumble uh, review podcast where, you, you know, you think about if in the 2001 Royal Rumble, if it was populated by a bunch of guys who had, you know, had been in the Royal Rumble from 91. Yeah. And you know, it's so great. You brought that up. Cause I actually watched that rumble earlier to have been a little under the weather. And so I just started just what, what else am I going to do? Just sitting by myself. I'm going to watch all the wrestling. So I actually watched the 2001 rumble. I am so glad you mentioned it because I made a note of this. The honky talk man was in the 2001 Royal rumble. This man drew zero reaction, <laughs> zero, which I'm sure makes you very happy. Just enjoyed. Very and much. he was thrown out in like, te- he came down, sang a song, came, and I mean, there were people in the crowd that were like, what is this? <laughs> and Kane smashed the guitar and throws him out. Now, you know, Hulk Talk get like, you know, 
a 12 minute run in the rumble and, and he, a contract, you know, he'd show up on like TV a few yeah. weeks. I mean, just for an example, I just think it's very interesting about 2001. Cause I, I made a note of that and I'm like, man, you talk about the use of legends in 2001. You talk about the le- use of legends in 2021, very different. Um, and you know, and for me, obviously when, when you have these guys like Dolph Ziggler who are always, you know, you know, they're here for over a decade they're kind of always in that mid card range. Um, and then like, they'll try just out of nowhere to try and heat him up for a main event. Like they, they put him in uh, against Ambrose at SummerSlam a while ago. And it's like, nobody buys that. He's going to win this title. I mean, you, you can't just heat up some, you know, as I've heard the term microwave pushes, yeah. <laughs> but it, to me, it goes hand in hand with uh, them not striking when the iron's hot with superstars. And, and to me, that's just as big of a problem is they they've had a handful of moments in the past 10 years where a guy is ready to become a superstar and they just refuse to do it. it I, I mean, how many instances are there outside of drew McIntyre? I mean, drew is the first time. And, and even he, they were borderline on missing that too. Cause he was, you know, on the verge of languishing, you know, mm-hmm. in that mid card. Yeah, yeah, that's and- a huge, pro- huge, huge problem is they don't strike when the iron's hot. And then like people think they can come back to them and they can't like if you if you miss it at that moment in time, maybe you'll get over a little bit, but like not like you would have at the time. Right. You can't just heat up anybody out of nowhere and expect to be like like you mentioned uh, Ziggler. They did that challenging McIntyre, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's so funny that yeah. Justin brought up a 2016 example. Yeah, they did it actually six <laughs> Last months summer. ago. Last yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, like and, no one, no one buys that he's going to win the world title. It's dumb. Like, yeah, I think the problem is these these people have been kind of running in place for a decade, and there's no excitement. You know, it used to be when somebody was in a promotion, you could chart their career there with a line graph. Right? They come in slowly, builds up. It hits. It then it hits the peak. Brett down a little tag bit. team champion, intercontinental yeah. champion, world champion, right? Yeah, or Michael's like, like similar thing too. Yeah. yeah, or like world title shot. Maybe they don't win it, whatever. And it comes down a little bit. The great ones can course correct. Something happens. Maybe they they were a heel that whole time and then they turn baby face, you course correct, and then it eventually goes down. Now, if you're to chart the majority or the vast majority of WWE performers in the modern age, it's almost like it's a circle with a line drawn through it where it's like Main event, mid card, main event, mid card, <laughs> where the line is the delineation point. And I just look, we talked about them making this ass load of money. I just think the way they do it, and uh, trust me, I've got a lot of stuff to drive this point home. It's the, the leaning on nostalgia that isn't even really nostalgia. Like, it's one thing to bring Hulk Hogan back at WrestleMania 18, right? Like, his era had come and gone and been replaced by a whole nother thing. The Attitude Era. Like, you know, we're going to, like, with Edge, has Edge's era ever ended? The era, like, isn't WWE in 2021 very much the same WWE that Edge was in? 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Like, I think that's, that's a thing. And like with the mid card guys, like edge is just kind of, you know, he comes to mind cause he's just came back. He's in the main, main event, but like some of these mid card guys, they bring back. It's like, is this really better than 
a fresh person like Jeff Hardy. What has Jeff Hardy done in this run since being brought back in 2017? I defy you to name me five things Jeff Hardy's done. <laughs> I mean, the most memorable storyline maybe he's done is that crap that they did with Sheamus all last summer. Yeah, okay, yeah. there's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> he had that atrocious match with Jinder Mahal in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Or like, remember, like, Jinder sold when it didn't hit? <laughs> yeah, it's not been the most. Uh, yeah, but I guess, like, like, right when he first came back, there was a little of excitement, but yeah, after, he, it died quickly. He was a difference maker in 2007, 2008. I'm just picking out random names, but let's get, you know, I kind of want to get back to this concept of age versus been around. Okay, let's use two names that are fresh in people's minds Edge and Goldberg. Okay. Edge is greater than Goldberg right now in the present day, not necessarily because he's younger, he's seven years younger, or because he's a better worker, even if you think he is, and most people probably think he is. But the key is Edge just came back last year and is off this long injury layoff too, right? Goldberg, he's used sparingly, but he returned to the company in 2016, we kind of talked about this with the McIntyre match. It's like, it's a different formula than you usually see with most WWE matches, but it's a formula that we kind of know what's coming when Goldberg wrestles now, right? Yeah. It's going to be five minutes, all big moves. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but I mean, Goldberg's been around now for four and a half years. That's longer than his WCW run. Yeah. Feels like 20. I mean, that's <laughs> real long. So, I, I think, and we've been talking about this, the issue is you have too many overexposed guys right now who've been on WWE TV for too many years, regardless of their age. And many of them have had babyface and heel runs. And in many instances, you could probably argue they've already hit their height. You know, I love Daniel Bryan. Well, let's use someone that we all love, right? Is it ever going to really be as good again as it was in 2014? No. No. Those are high standards. Yeah, <laughs> Not okay. going to happen. Seth Rollins, okay, native Iowan, he has gotten long-term title runs as both a baby face and a heel. Long runs in both roles. And, you know, I realize there's lots of hours to fill here. So, I mean, I'm not... I want to be very clear if anyone from WB is listening to this. I am not advocating a mass firing tomorrow of all of your talent, Okay. But there is a clear lack of fresh matchups in per- and performers in this promotion. By the way, what got me thinking about this is when Justin Texas, what would you do with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? And the answers, that, like based in reality, seem so dire that my mind just started firing off on all this stuff mm-hmm. in all these ways. And to, uh, I want to talk real quick about Seth because something about that is so it's been six years since he won the title at mania the first time right 31 and if you look at like if you take the 80s and the 90s when it had been six years since the guy like first won the title there there would kind of be moving into that like phase where they're starting to put over the younger talent right like look at hogan six years putting over warrior uh brett he didn't even make it that long because it would have been 98 you know, since he had first won the title. So like six years is a long time historically when you look back at the business and, you know, go from that first title win to now you're you're bringing in some new guys. So if you just go back to Seth, I don't I, I feel like he should, even though he's only 34, I mean, he can cruise in that main event scene a little bit longer, but he's starting to get to that point where like he should be kind of bringing 
in the next generation of main eventers. And I am so glad you said that, Ryan Drosty, because let us turn to this. These lack of fresh matchups and performers is inexcusable, and I don't use that term lightly, given the existence of NXT. You know, it's easier not, than any time in history. Yes, to have... <laughs> I mean, every year you should be replenishing your Raw and SmackDown rosters. Did you guys see that graphic that uh, Raw, it was like, coming soon to Raw? And it, I think it was from not even two years ago. It was like Lacey was on it. I, um, heavy Machinery was on it. But there's already two guys gone now. Mm-hmm. EC3 and Lars Sullivan. I mean, obviously, Lars, there were some extending circumstances there. But like... Guys that are like they're just done, like, and it, as we're going to talk about more, it's getting more and more dire. Like a couple of years ago, NXT was looking great. You had all these guys. You're like, oh my god, this guy looks great in NXT. Oh, I can see this guy being a star. And you know now that's not really the case because particularly with the men, the hit rate of guys going from NXT to main roster has been nothing short of awful. And that's inconceivable given, again, how good NXT was in 2016, 2017. Look at those takeover. People were like, oh my God, you know, Andrade, uh, Aleister Black, you know, all these guys that were on top in NXT. Everyone's like, oh oh my God, you've got so many next future stars. Uh, Here's something to choke on. Bobby Roode has been on the main roster for three years. I know he is a tag team champion. Someone's going to come at me with. Uh, yes, one of the finer <laughs> tag team championship runs. Oh, by the way, he was not in the Rumble, and Dolph Ziggler was. Am I correct on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that's odd. Um, you could point to Drew McIntyre again. I know. I know. Example guy. You know. You know. I saw some people say, to you, "Oh, yeah, old people suck." Yeah, here's the 42 year old Ric Flair winning the '92 Rumble. Stop with that. Stop cherry-picking random examples. By the way, business was not good in 1992 WWF, so do you know your history. But <laughs> Drew McIntyre, he had been someone pretty much earmarked for greatness by WWE prior to the existence of NXT, right? Like, yeah. remember, I mean, he was like 10 years ago. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy. Vince McMahon cut a promo in the ring saying this is the next future superstar. He flamed out, but when he was brought back, he was the guy you knew was going to come through the system real quick and they were going to push. Other than him on the men's side, it's like Braun Strowman and that's it, man. Yeah. Um, I'll drive it home even more. Okay. In this year's Rumble, the one that just happened that we did our wonderful post show on, there were seven, only seven guys who made their main roster TV debut in 2017 or later. They are Ali, Nakamura, Ricochet, your boy, Elias, Riddle, don't call me Matt, Otis, and Dominic Mysterio. None of those guys right now seem like they're headed for the top of the card. Only two of them are below 30, Otis and Dominic, and fair is fair. I think we know why Dominic Mysterio is in this company. If he was Dominic anybody else, he's probably not in the company, right? All right. That would leave one sub 30 year old person in the Rumble, Otis, who wow. you have had win money in the bank and lose it like an idiot. Wow. You know, I can't help but think, like, obviously, a big part of the problem is 
WWE not knowing how to use these guys. It's creative. Um, but also, I, I can't help but think about Undertaker's comments about uh, this generation being soft when really it's that they know how to take care of themselves better to where, you know, you talk about Seth Rollins winning the championship six years ago. And, you know, back in the day, he would have been on his way out by now. So like these guys take care of themselves so they can stick around for 15, 20 years. And I guess that makes people soft. I'm glad you brought those Undertaker comments up because you know what's funny whenever somebody from that generation, you know, tries to criticize the current product. And for the record, I think, you know, um, there are things very much wrong with modern wrestling. Obviously, we're going through them, but it's it's one of two issues. It's either they don't know how to articulate the problem properly or more likely they just don't want to run afoul of Vince McMahon. What did Justin just say? It's on the creative. That's the issue. The star-making arm of the promotions broken and has been broken for some time. You know, you talk about being soft. No, they don't know. It's the creative doesn't know how to make stars. That's a problem. I mean, I just mentioned seven guys who, you know, have come up in the last four years. Nakamura is the only guy who sniffed the main event and they've like blown, you know, they kind of screwed up with him a couple times. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, we keep hearing about this, this big E push that they're going to push him to the top. And so they give him the intercontinental title. He held that six, seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, yes, he held it at the 2014 Royal Rumble. I had in my notes, <laughs> and and more, and yeah. hey, you know, just to show you what is it? Time is a flat circle. That expression. Uh, Kane eliminated Dolph Ziggler in the 2009 Royal Rumble. He also eliminated Dolph Ziggler in the 2021 Royal Rumble. Although Dolph did last 20 minutes longer the second time around. <laughs> so, like, if you're just somebody who like watches these like shows like year to year. It's amazing how little anything changes. And maybe that's by design. Again, I talk about the soap opera-ization of WWE. Maybe that's the way they want it. And given the financial numbers we ran through earlier, Ryan, you can't say WWE is bad, but by God, it's kind of boring this way. Isn't it just see the same people over and over again? And let me hit you with this number. Half, that's 15, 30 people in the Royal Rumble, of this year's men's entrance made their WWE TV debut at least 10 years prior. Half. Hmm. At least debuted 2011 or earlier. 11 of those 15 were at least 15 years earlier. Five of them were at least 20 years earlier. Now, to be fair, there's some cameos and long gaps in there, but if 50% of your Rumble participants have been around that long and really it's it's 67 percent that's been around for eight years or longer which as you mentioned earlier right is a long time aren't people sitting around at home saying this guy's still around it's even longer now because of the amount of content they have mm-hmm. you know like yeah it, good point you, you're producing uh you know five hours of television on the main roster week let alone the, you know the nxt one to two hours depending on what era we're talking about versus you know back in the day when we had one hour of raw you know, every oh week. yeah, you you need more people. There is no denying you need more people. But the with a roster this huge, there you should not have the lack of fresh matchups. They do. I think we're all in agreement there. I mean, mm-hmm. what you know, you absolutely want to have a big roster if you've got to produce all these hours of television. But for there to be like so little fresh matchups, 
it's crazy. And getting back to, you know, some of these people bringing out the Carlitos and the Hurricanes in 2021. Folks, Alistair Black was not in the Royal Rumble Sunday. Alistair Black hasn't been anywhere for quite a while. <laughs> a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, again, like, that's a friend. Um, what are they waiting for? The senior prom? I mean, you know, as Bobby Heenan once said, or I think it was Gorilla. In, fa- in but, fact, that is the storyline they're going to bring him back with. Spoiler, no. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they're, but, they're waiting for May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows, man? It's just like, I just think that, like, it goes back to striking when the iron's hot. If you pigeonhole these guys, I mentioned those seven guys earlier, they've already been pigeonholed as mid-card for life. And if you don't hit at the right time, man, they're just all going to be mid-card for life. I just think there's a real running-in-place mentality with this promotion. Randy Orton, I mean, we haven't even had him. 18 years uninterrupted in the same promotion. That's unprecedented. There, I don't think there's anybody in the history of wrestling, I mean, that can say, I mean, Vern Gagne in the AWA, but he owned the joint. Yeah, well, Taker. But yeah, he, yeah, okay, yeah. He changed yeah, characters like completely at yeah. one point. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Orton's base. I mean, heel face, but other. I mean, it's basically been the same character since the uh, the post evolution. Yeah, but and, and when did Undertaker go to like part time? I mean, he'd been part time for at least the last like seven, right? I guess still that'd be longer than you know Orton yeah. has been around. But yeah, I mean, that's it's crazy. It's one thing for the Undertaker, like an iconic person, but is Randy Orton? An iconic character. No offense. I mean, probably not to, to the degree to of Undertaker. Kids, I'm yeah. sure he is. In yeah. WWE canon, is he? I would love to hear someone who's like, "Oh, this Randy Orton is just God." But I just, I love that he defines 21st century wrestling. You Do know, if there was, like if that? there was a, if there was any kids at school that actually watch wrestling, I'd ask them. But yeah, <laughs> the skipped generation, as we like to say. Yeah. And I just think, like, again, if you're somebody who tuned out 10, 15 years ago and you put it back on and you see a lot of the same people, you're going to probably not be interested. You know, I mean, I guess you could argue familiar faces or, quote, comfort food and the legend reunion always does well, right? TV-wise, there's always that artificial bump. But what happens when the week after those legend reunion shows? What, what happens to the number? It goes right back down. Yep. Which shows that, you know, people aren't sticking around. Those people, they'll watch one week, but, you know, not the next. And, uh, you know, I just think Laps fans don't have a lot of interest in this weekly product. And the value that these older names really have, I- I'd love for somebody to demonstrate that to me. Because, you know, I mean, we talked about Jeff Hardy. I mean, is somebody like, we're like, fuck, man, Jeff Hardy's still around. That's awesome. I mean, does that person exist? <laughs> Does that is there somebody who was like really fired up that Jeff Hardy is still around in 2020? I defy you to find me this person. If you're listening to this podcast, please email the show right on the Facebook page. <laughs> probably, probably Mr. Hardy Sr. Okay, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but you know, and you know, I know some people are gonna point to, oh, what about Sting? He's so old, AEW. People shit on Goldberg, but they're, you know, all cheering on Sting. I think you're missing the point. It's a new promotion. And a bunch of people he's never worked with before. Well, so. and that's what makes AEW so important. And, and in a way, their partnership with New Japan is that uh, kind of the, you know, what has led to all of this staleness was kind of the downfall of WCW. We need wrestling turnover. We need them to have other places to go that, yes. that have a large platform. You know, I, I, I like Ring of Honor, but they were never a real alternative to WWE. 
No, especially the beginning. I, well, it actually, it was an alternative, but it wasn't like an alternative for the performers in WWE to go to, right? Like all those guys um, that kind of flamed out in the early 2000s, the Chris Masters of the world, they were not going to go to Ring of Honor. Yeah, because that promotion was built on, you know, it's a lot of the guys that are now in WWE, but you're right. It was very, it was just two very different rosters where you're right. They weren't going to mix at the time when Ring of Honor started. Everyone's like, oh, these guys will probably never get signed by WWE. <laughs> and yeah, and, yeah I mean, which is a great success story. It's actually one of the great that a lot of those guys got picked. But, you know, I mean, and you could say the same for Jericho, too. It's a different promotion though, in a cosmetic business, maybe, you know. I watched Royal Rumble 2017 today. He's a lot skinnier. <laughs> and, I think, and, and, and I made the joke. I made the joke, weren't we all? And then Justin said he's still, you know, rocking the Smediums or whatever. I said, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my God, man. I haven't worn a medium in a long time. Oh. But, you know, it, this problem is getting worse because I watched the 2018 Rumble. By the way, I watched a lot of wrestling in, in preparation for this show. I've watched a lot of Rumble stuff. It had just nine people that had debuted in 2011 or earlier, and one of them was John Cena, like the biggest star of the last 15 years. I, I, I just think that a lot of the people, if you go back and watch that particular Rumble, you're going to see a lot of people that are still around today, but they, God, seemed a lot more over back then. And the, the problem just is inexcusable to me, given the existence of NXT, which you should be getting fresh faces all the time, and and we don't really see it, so... I. I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's Bruce Pritchard, doesn't it? Doesn't this problem of bringing back older people seem like it's getting like... I mean, they were doing it when he wasn't there, but I'm sure he adds to it yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. So, I don't know. I, I think, just to provide a quick historical context, Vince McMahon will never forgive himself for letting Hogan, Savage, and Piper leave, quote, too early in the 90s, and they you know, all went and made the big money for WCW. Um, you know, when there was no competition in the early 2000s, kind of like Justin mentioned, he did give up on guys probably too early, right? It's actually very different. Like Chris Masters, man, that was like a good gimmick or like a Rene Dupree. We talked about some of these guys in the 05 Rumble. Those guys were just like so green because there was no NXT. And like the indie scene was, was much different. So like those guys just came up and they were just being thrown on national television were way too green. Mm-hmm. And they and that should have been like the future for a while, but they all got cast aside because they you know flamed out so early and they weren't ready. So, um, but now it's just it seems the goal to be you got AEW around, so they're going to hoard these people uh, for as long as possible without allowing anyone to get too big. I think that's what it is, you know. It, yeah, and I just say have some old, have some confidence in your booking instincts, Vince. There's really no Hogan Savages or Pipers on your roster. So I, I, roster turnover, fresh matchups. It's a good. I mean, look at Miro. I mean, is he like lighting the world on fire in AEW? Is that something Vince McMahon should be upset about? No. In fact, I mean, to be critical of AEW, I'd say Miro's time there has been one of the big disappointments over the last few months, yeah. to be honest. And, and just one last note on age. Okay. Because that's where we started. Remember the billionaire Ted sketches? Of course you do. Hulk Hogan was 42 when they did those sketches on him. <laughs> <laughs> Savage was 43, Piper was 41. Isn't that and, amazing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that used to be the big thing. Like, Vince... Not much like, older than us. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon thought Randy Savage was done and wouldn't let him wrestle at WrestleMania 9. 
So 93. So he would have been like 41, 40. Yeah, at that no, time. He thought That's he was insane. done at 40. There's no way. Now it's just like Carlito. You want another run? Okay. Carlito. Oh, I mean, how old is AJ Styles right now? He is 43. <laughs> he's another guy you could put in that run. Like, he's had, again, world title runs as a baby face and a heel. And he should be like Rollins getting, all right, hey, that hot new talent from NXT that's coming up, let's put him in with AJ Styles and put him over. But, you know, I, I kind of tease this a little bit. Like, when you look at the NXT roster right now, who is like that next transcendent talent set to come up? Mm, I don't know about transcendent. I think Cross will be could be pretty good when they bring him up, but I think he can make an immediate impact if they give him a chance. My only concern is he requires a certain level of protection mm-hmm. that they don't do on the main roster. Yeah. You know, they're not going to put him in short matches where he just kicks everyone's ass. You know, the the it's not NXT per se, but the guy, and I think he's kind of said he he's not interested, is Walter. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. You you you're absolutely right. If you were if you were to expand it to NXT, Walter is the most intriguing person that they have on either brand that could make it um, on the main roster. Because right now the the main event scene at NXT or the pseudo main event scene, it's you you've got a lot of NXT lifers like Balor, Dunn, Gargano, Ciampa, Undisputed Era. They've all wrestled each other a lot, and but they always kind of like have to be on takeovers, right? So that's that's also stunting the growth down there. Where are the other people mm-hmm. at? Beyond those lifers, I mean, I, I don't. With Rid- I thought Matt Riddle and Keith Lee, I'll call him Matt Riddle. I don't give a damn. Uh, <laughs> were like the last guys that I'm like, this guy could be a star if they do it right. And you know, Riddle has some issues, and I you know I don't know what Keith Lee's issue is, but like I I don't know, man. It's kind of scary that the amount of people they've. Um, you know, just not done a good job with coming up from NXT. I'll do you another one on the age. Uh, so Hogan, when he came back in 02 and won the world title, 48 years old. Spring of 2002, 40, 48 years old. Six and, years younger than uh, Goldberg right now. Yeah, and just, you know, it's it's crazy too. And again, look, I'll be fair with AEW with like guys being on television. Chris Jericho has switched promotions, but let's say you're someone who grew up on Chris Jericho like us. Chris Jericho, it was 23 years ago, like right, right around now, that he was really breaking out, right, with mm-hmm. the Monday Night Jericho character. Yep. 23-year gap. Only 12 years had elapsed from the birth of Hulkamania to the NWO turn. And that's yeah. Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, you know, to be fair, I mean, this is an industry and guys do take better care of themselves like Justin and they should have look, the one positive or there's probably more than one, obviously, but what one of the real positive, probably the biggest positive in modern wrestling is how much these guys are able to make over a sustained period. Right. Like, I mean, these guys are getting paid pretty well in WWE. I mean, <laughs> relative to their spots. A mid-card yeah. guy would not be making the what mid-carders today make 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Jericho's 50. Um, to, your, to your point about Walter, I put that out on Twitter today on our at Top Rope Nation Twitter account. I said, who do you want Drew McIntyre to work at WrestleMania? And somebody said Walter. And I thought immediately thought, never going to happen, but man, that would be a hell of a match. 
Drew McIntyre so, and Walter. He, Drew McIntyre offered to work Walter yeah. at UK. So, I mean, so he would be interested. That would be a I, great I, WrestleMania match. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they'll do it. You're right. I mean, I don't know if maybe could, somebody can catch Vince on a good day and says, Vince, think of Bruno in the garden. Picture Walter opposite Brand. Maybe that, you know, I don't know, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, kind of springing this on you. Uh, so you haven't really had a chance to give it a lot of thought, but of the last 10 years, uh, who do you think they missed the boat on the most of uh, there was a moment where it seemed like somebody could be Ooh. something, but, but they didn't push them to the moon. They didn't strap the, the rocket pack on their back. Hmm. I'm just curious because uh, one of my favorite Twitter follows is Trevor uh, Dame. And he was kind of talking about uh, this and uh, somebody had replied talking about like, Cesaro, April of 2014, Ziggler, uh, 2013, Strowman, kind of February and August of 2018. Um, and then Finn Balor, when he came back from his injury, just went right back into the Intercontinental title race. I think Cesaro is a good one because, I mean, the fan, there were so many Cesaro uh, signs off that WrestleMania. Uh, and I think we talked about on the show, like our shows back in the summer of 2018 i think it was maybe even 2017 that like that was the moment for braun Strowman. that's when he was the most yeah. over yeah well what i think you, cesaro is the one that really stands out for me like we were the, coming out of that uh summer slam and they they gave us what we thought were wrestlemania many events with reigns versus cena and uh they fed Strowman to brock lesnar yeah but yes. no i agree with you. i mean one of my favorite wrestlemania moments of all time is uh, Cesaro, both because I love Cesaro and it was shocking and it felt like a moment was Cesaro winning the Andre Battle Royal. Yeah, by slamming the big show, they even did a yeah. nod to Andre Hogan with Cesaro. And yeah, they. it's the oddest thing. It just did not work with Paul Heyman, did it? I would, I would have to like go back and watch the television to really evaluate what went wrong. But like it almost went sideways like immediately. Like they, they're thinking, oh, we'll give him Heyman because you know Vince. I don't think is confident in Cesaro's mic ability, so he's like, we'll give him Heyman, and this is going to be great. And that didn't work. And I, I would love to go back and kind of evaluate that to see what well, happened. For a, a couple things, number one, um, I don't think they ever really committed to that story or mm -hmm. having Cesaro with. And I swear to God, this is part of it. Cesaro had one of the fucking worst entrance musics. <laughs> of all time not um, as bad as american alpha yeah i knew that, that was coming <laughs> <laughs> had to get that in there and i'm just gonna say it uh i love cesaro but he he, he just out of the ring he's got to be a pretty dull guy i mean he's he's been he's been around for how long and have we seen any chronicle or 24 or anything with cesaro ever well i think it would require so it, those usually require sustained television pushes too. So yeah, who knows? True. You know, I, I mean, I think the it's funny because I think it, to answer your question, Justin, my answer might be a guy who actually did get a push, but it was the biggest group, and that was like Punk in 2011. They like that was like the one guy who felt like he actually could really jump, and they just like screwed that up so bad. Um, coming off Money in the Bank. Um, by bringing him back too early, having him lose to Triple H. Yeesh. Um, I mean, he got a ton of laps fans back, too, and he's still one of the most talked about people in the industry. Yeah. So I think all the all the uh, 
data would probably back yeah, that up. It's just so hard because like, I, I feel like, look, I, I said it earlier, I don't think there's any Hogan Savage Pipers on this roster. I, I, I don't think there's been in some time. But to me, it, it's so hard to say because these guys, they have the moment when they're hot, but they're not booked. And again, if I'm a wrestler and I heard some asshole podcast guy, I want to kick his ass. <laughs> but wrestlers have shelf lives in a promotion. I just feel they do. Like most TV shows do not last eight years, let alone TV characters. Yeah. Right? I mean, think of your favorite TV shows. I mean, did they last eight seasons? And the wrestlers are on more than the TV shows, right? They're yes. only on for a few months out of the year, let alone yeah. every week of the year. Yeah. So it's like, it's about like just having that. And we talk about this all the time on the show the lack of investment in long term booking. It used to be they'd get the guy, they'd, ha- they'd do the introduction, they would know what his first big feud is, they'd start feeling things out, but they don't now. And so guys are just kind of, you know, in that circle that we talked about where it just, you know, hey, you're up a little bit. Hey, you're down a little bit. You're up a bit. You're you're down a little bit. And with the microwave, and that the microwave pushes when guys don't have the linear booking. You know, it's about linear eyes. Let's talk about linear booking. It's it's tough to believe in people. And like I said, it. We talked about it with the Owens Reigns matches. Good a character work as they did. No one bought a title change. Yeah, there, and that's a problem when you got when you have two titles like they do, two world titles, and people aren't buying title changes. That's not good. Um, closing points on on uh, not Kyle Justin's question. It, it's a little bit different because he did actually get the title, but I don't think that they really strapped the rocket to his back like they could have. Uh, Kofi Kingston, look at that title win that he had, and how everyone was so into it. It was a huge moment uh like the wwe 24 they did on him or whatever the documentary was uh you know like his global appeal he unceremoniously loses that title on the first smackdown on fox and they never go back to it and they, they never follow it up and i mean i guess post daniel bryan <laughs> he probably had the, the most you know like the biggest rise of uh is that what you're gonna say kyle like he had the I- biggest he had the biggest rise uh spurred on by the fans of anybody that could have maybe been a big difference maker they took the title off of him and nothing since i mean tag team of course new day's great but like he could have been a multi-time world champion i think kyle's about to erupt no i'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned it because i had a point on kofi kingston like i stopped adding to this like rambling pages of notes a while ago but Kofi is like a fascinating thing to look at because it's almost as if that title run never happened. If you're to look at him in 2021, he That's like an just, indictment. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He, he just immediately went back to what he was. There was no effect on his, like, it was like, yeah, he was the champion, but he loses it. And he's just right back to what he was before. Yeah. Like, it, like, Okay, the announcers could say, oh, who could forget that wild ride of Kofi Kingston in 2019? But other than that, he's no different. It had no effect on Xavier Woods. It had no effect on Big E. It's like if you were in a coma during 2019, you would have (laughs) no idea other than if, like the announcers mentioned, that Kofi Kingston was the champion. You just assume you're like, oh, my God, the New Day has just been like getting at this for six, seven years now. Yeah. It's just like this, like, bizarre like several month period that happened and then it didn't it used to be if a guy was like it would have a a transformation on on the people around him or him he would become something different but like yeah he went from world champ he he was tag team wrestler world champ for six months 
tag team wrestling. It's like if Bret Hart just went right back to the Hart Foundation in 1993. Yeah. And they just, you know, never got any world title shots. Yeah. Speaking of, I watched the Razor Ramon match again. <laughs> Rumble 93? Yeah. I've been sick today, man. What'd you think? <laughs> it's good. And it, what's very interesting when you evaluate that compared to a lot of the other title matches is that there's a lot of title matches with terrible finishes at Royal Rumbles. Like that are like convoluted. That it's just a very clean finish with the champion going over. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a welcome departure in that regard. I have a trivia question for you guys. I teased this on the last show. We can close on this. There have only been seven world title changes at Royal Rumbles ever, not including the two Rumbles where it changed hands. 92 and 2016. How many of those seven can you name? Rock from Punk. It's the first one that comes to that mind. That was one of that was actually one of the two I had to scramble for. Cena from Styles. Yep. Michaels from Sid. Yep. Mm. It's funny you guys named the early, the uh, more recent ones first. Uh, Slaughter. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Yeah. What's that for? Yep. Oh, let's see. They're all pretty well uh, spaced out. Oh, uh, well, no, never mind. I feel like a, like a Triple H or Mick Foley one's got to be in there somewhere. Uh, Rock? From, Rock, uh, Rock yeah. from Foley? Yep, that's yep. 99. Yep. You've got the three early ones and the two late ones. It's the two in the middle now. Oh, no. One, is the, one of the ones is the, one that I, the last one I thought of. So we're, 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 we're talking like mid-2000s here? Mid to late? Sure. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Too much uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, John Cena over Edge, 2006. Would have never gotten that. That was hot. After that one, Edge deserved longer. How, how fun! And that's the funny thing too. <laughs> that's the funny thing. <laughs> uh Oh, he froze. He froze. Kyle's out. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Kyle, call back in. He's out. Oh, no. We're never going to find out the other two. <laughs> in 2006, I'm like, give Edge a fucking run. And that- oh, Hello? He's back. Hello? There he is. He froze. Oh, okay, second. there we go. You're back. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I heard you guys, and you guys had frozen. That was weird. So, it, uh, no, I was laughing. How funny is it that, like, you know, 2006, as a matter of fact, I was on a podcast saying, this fucking Edge deserves a longer run. What are they doing to him? And little did I know, 15 years later, I was saying, I can't believe they brought this guy back. Um, and then the last of this one was hard, actually, was uh, Edge, again, in 2009, defeated Jeff Hardy, the famous Matt Hardy. Oh, After oh, yeah. the... Tra- burning of the trailer and the dead dog. What there it is. Fine angle that was. Nice. Very nice. Well, hey, always good to talk pro wrestling. Well, I look forward to uh, to Thursday nights each and every week. To have the trio back together was was enjoyable. Triple uh, we'll threat. Be- yes, we'll be back next week, of course. And if you want more Top Rope Nation content, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Link in the description It's more than 20 bonus podcasts available the minute you sign up right now that you've never heard before. They're only available on Patreon at full length, uh, including the Royal Rumble 2005 retrospective we did last week, which was a hell of a show. 
Uh, so sign up for the Patreon, support the show, get your bonus content, join us once a month uh, for a beer on our Zoom hangout, and join the book club. It's going to get started this month. Death the WCW should be a lot of fun. Again, all the details over on Patreon. So. We should start wetting Ryan when he does those. <laughs> Go to the host spiel yeah. at the beginning and the end. You just yeah. distract. What? Well, you well you kind of do try to distract me. I usually try to not look at the video feed when I do it. Otherwise, I'm going to start laughing. Oh, well, hey, these guys are all a good follow on Twitter. Well, at least Kyle is. Justin's not on Twitter very often, but you can still follow him anyways. At Justin Joint. That's J-O-I-N-T. Kyle at TRP Kyle. I am at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. The show is at Top Rope Nation. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Again, we referenced it many times during the show. The, uh, the Facebook discussion group, Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. Join the group. Talk with us each and every day on there. So with that said, this has been episode 194 of Top Rope Nation. Hope you all have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.